0: I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to learnwithdreemily.com slash schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com, or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Hey, y'all. In today's podcast episode, we are going to be talking about how noncompliance isn't always a choice. And when it is, there is always a reason. We just might not be able to see the reason. So let's get started. Simply put, children don't do everything we ask them to do when we ask them to do it. All the parents are feeling it already this summer. I know. I know. As adults, though, we often assume this is because they're not understanding what we said. So we will try to communicate the same expectation again by repeating ourselves, sometimes in a louder and more frustrated voice. And if that doesn't work, our own frustration starts to grow, which can stop us from remaining emotionally regulated and problem-solving what to do next. We are never our best selves when we're stressed. Yet the way we respond in the moment a child doesn't do what we have asked them to do can do one of two things. Either it creates a safe connection for a child to trust us as we align with them to solve the problem together, or we can trigger a defense response in the child if we inadvertently disregard their need for support by dismissing them or saying it's fine or or you'll just get over it. So what does this look like in the classroom? When pre-K and kindergarten students start the school year, no one expects them to know what to do. Teachers spend time building trust and safety, a sense of classroom community and routine, and then the learning can begin. As students get the hang of school, this settling into the classroom routine gets smoother at the beginning of every school year. However, many neurodivergent students continue to lack the skills needed to follow classroom routines later into elementary school. Just because a student is older or has a high skill level in, let's say, math or reading, that doesn't mean that they've mastered the skills required to quote-unquote be a student, which usually involves emotional regulation, impulse control, executive functioning, and social problem-solving skills. It can be hard to remember that an older student may still need support to understand expectations, get started on their own, or negotiate differences with peers. And this all happens before we even ask them to engage in any academic learning. We have to remember that in order to complete a task a teacher has asked a student to do, the student must not only understand what's expected of them, but also needs to feel emotionally safe to begin the task that they're unsure about. Because remember, learning is a vulnerable experience. Plus, students must have the skills to do the thing asked of them and be motivated to do it. So when students don't respond in an expected way, sometimes I'll hear teachers or school administrators and staff say things like, he's choosing to put his head down and not get started, or She's choosing to argue with me instead of getting to work. Or even, he's choosing to engage in unsafe behaviors. Let's start by debunking the myth that reacting with verbal or physical aggression is a choice. Once children and adults are yelling physically destroying things, or are hurting others, they're most likely in a stress response trying to protect themselves from something that they perceive as emotionally traumatic or just too much for them. In other words, if a child is saying or doing things they would not do if they were calm, this is most likely a stress response, which I talk all about in more detail in my blog and podcast episode of is this behavior intentional, or was that a stress response? So what I wanna be clear about today is that stress responses are not a choice. That would be like saying that I choose to run from a grizzly bear that I see in the woods, or I chose to grab my child's arm when they stepped into the street in front of an oncoming truck. Choosing these responses would imply that I had the time to consider an alternative option And decided that this action was best. When we react to perceived danger, there's no time for a choice. Our brain immediately responds in the best way it knows how to feel safe. Now, of course, a child cannot be harmed by a math worksheet in the same way they would by oncoming traffic. But it's their perception of difficulty that is the quote-unquote danger here. If the task is too overwhelming due to high expectations and lack of skills or both, you may get a quote-unquote non-compliant reaction that looks like a freeze response because it is of the student's head down on their desk or sitting firmly on the ground and not getting up. This is what the child knows how to do under these circumstances. Now, I know it can be confusing if yesterday they transitioned fine, Or two days ago, they did that same work. But here's the thing. That's just the skill you're seeing. We also have motivation and fatigue and emotional regulation or overwhelm. If any of those things are also happening, a child may not be able to access that skill. We really can only access our skills that are on autopilot when we are emotionally dysregulated. So think about... When you are upset, you can still usually drive a car somewhere because you can do that on autopilot. You are not actively engaging your brain. You could go on a walk if you're really upset because your body is on autopilot. But you probably would not be able to be really upset and randomly recall facts that you don't have on autopilot. Lots of people will describe that their mind goes blank when they're overwhelmed. That's because their brain's getting hijacked and spending all of their energy on their emotional regulation, so they can't access any of the thinking part of their brain. And that's what's happening with kids, too, when they're overwhelmed. And this, of course, will look like noncompliance because that's what it is. They're not complying with you right now because they're busy emotionally regulating themselves or trying to calm down or just trying to feel better. I want to say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. The regulation roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it, and the Reframing Behavior Worksheet helps you problem-solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdoctoremily.com slash roster or learnwithdoctoremily.com slash reframingbehavior to get started. I wanna welcome any parents who are new to this journey. If your child has just been identified as autistic or diagnosed with ADHD, learning differences, or is twice exceptional, welcome. You are in the right place. You may also be overwhelmed by all the calls and emails you're having to make to providers as you're building your child's team. That's why I created the Referral Tracker, which is a free download at learnwithdoctoremily.com tracker. This free resource explains what each provider does and gives you a template to keep track of all your research. Just go to learnwithdoctoremily.com tracker to get started. So sometimes I feel like when we say that a child is making a behavioral choice, we're insinuating that they have the ability to independently make a different choice. This is often not true. As Dr. Ross Green says, kids do well if they can. So if they can do better, they will do better. If they are making the choice to sit on the ground with their head in their hands, when they're asked to line up and go inside from recess, the question we need to be asking ourselves is, Why? What is upsetting them? What is overwhelming them? What is feeling like too much for them? When a child is not doing what is asked of them, it's time to get curious and start problem solving. If a student with ADHD isn't getting started when asked, it's likely due to a lagging executive functioning skill. If an autistic student avoids a task or activity More times than not, it's due to a stress response related to an overwhelmed sensory system and not a choice. Neurodivergent students experience more lagging skills and are triggered more often and more easily than their neurotypical peers. In some cases, this is due to a sensitive nervous system, and sometimes it's due to a negative previous school experience. Many times it's due to both. Remember that getting started on a task requires feeling safe in the environment, feeling connected to the person asking you to do the thing, plus the skills and the motivation to carry out the task. If one of these things is missing, a student's ability to begin the task will likely crumble. This crumbling will have different levels of severity depending on how the child responds to stress. We all have individualized nervous systems. I love this visual from Supportable Solutions that talks about social engagement zone, flight and fight zone, and freeze zone. You can find this link at learnwithdr.emily.substack.com in this week's blog. So, this Supportable Solutions image shows the three states of our nervous system depending on the perception of threat around us. When we feel safe and connected to either our people or our interests, we're able to learn. When we perceive a threat, some of us go into fight or flight, and some go into freeze. This is a naturally occurring, automatic response our brain has to defend us from danger. For many neurodivergent kids and adults, their nervous systems are more sensitive to these perceptions, and many register a danger response that a neurotypical brain would not. Therefore, it's important, so important, to believe a child when they communicate overwhelm, even if it doesn't quite make sense to us. When a child, quote-unquote, chooses noncompliance, there is always a reason. We just might not be able to see the reason. Some reasons are fatigue, hunger, even constipation, or other overwhelm. The child may not even be able to recognize or communicate. As they're trusted adults, we must work collaboratively to identify patterns, and we, then we become the detectives to help our children learn how to feel safe and supported. So let's get curious about figuring out the following. Is the expectation too high? What skill is missing? How can I connect with this student to help them feel safe in this moment of learning? In other words, we can teach the child a safe, more productive way to respond when being met with a challenge. So instead, imagine saying these, he's not getting started on his own. I wonder what feels overwhelming to him about this assignment. Or she's getting upset and asking lots of questions about this assignment. I wonder what and how I could clarify this for her. Or this one, he's running and hiding under the table every time he's asked to write. I wonder if he needs support with coming up with ideas, organizing his thoughts, or even his fine motor skills, or all of the above. So problem solving in these moments will take energy and practice from the adult in the room, but it will be worth it. That's why I don't teach these ideas without also discussing self-care for educators as well as parent-teacher collaboration. We have to keep showing up for our kids so they will learn to keep showing up for themselves when making mistakes during the learning process. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com or read my substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.